0: The following audio is via a Skype call.
1: Here's an amazing act. Here's a tremendous act. Here's a startling act. The amazing, the thrilling, the greatest, spectacular, incredible, exciting, wonderful, world The most unusual novelty act.
2: it's manson mitchell on the weekend with gary manson suzanne mitchell a double shot of good conversation with great guests to power up your day manson mitchell you're on the air right here on our stage (laughs) (laughs) you surprised me suzanne hi i'm gary mance i'm suzanne mitchell and this is going to be a really big show today we have a fantastic guest wonderful wonderful ramananda and we're going to be talking about politics, society, and all things spiritual. That is going to be a good time. Let's say hello to tall guy Nathan first.
1: Nathan, how are you, sir? Good morning, Gary and Suzanne. And boy, the rain came down and everything is nice and clear. I'm seeing Seattle and the Olympic Mountains. So good to see ah. out of the
2: window again. To wash away all that smoke. How long did that event last? Was that like, like the better part of a month?
1: Well, we had a couple ways. waves. On Labor Day, we had some traces come over, but then they went away when the wind shifted directions. But then they had that weird kind of tunnel effect with the wind where everything was just almost like a convergence zone, but for smoke. And boy, it's just like amber everywhere. You couldn't even see 405 out of our window, which is like three football fields away. And man, it was thick. Well, I'm glad, well, you I'm got glad the
3: things have cleared up.
1: So,
2: wouldn't that be nice to say after November third? Yes.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but I think it's cleared up. Or just you know, <laughs> tomorrow. I mean, get rid of all this 2020 junk that's been thrown our way. Oh my yeah, goodness!
3: Yeah, it sure has been thrown our way. I saw. Let's a, bring.
1: Yes, go oh, ahead. I saw a little joke on the internet. Did anybody try unplugging 2020 and plugging it back in again?
2: Uh, we need to reboot the year. Little late for that. But we'll see how it all turns out. Uh, this is such an interesting time. It, that's the old Chinese curse, you know, may you live in interesting times. Well, it hit home, didn't it? Suzanne, why don't you go ahead and give some mad props to our guest and we'll get them on the air.
3: John Welshans, Ramananda, is a highly respected contemporary spiritual teacher who has studied world religions throughout his life. He holds a BA in Comparative Religions from the University of South Florida and a Master's in History of Religions from Florida State University. He has also traveled and studied extensively in India and is a gifted counselor and teacher who has worked closely with Ramdas and trained with Dr. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. Much to be said about that as well. We welcome him to Manson Mitchell once again. Good to have you back, John
4: good afternoon gary and suzanne and good morning nathan
2: (laughs) wonderful to be with you all it's always great to have you with us john ordinarily when we talk we have the luxury of getting into a spiritual space and discussing how to meditate how to absorb the lessons in life how to gain some degree of self-mastery And that's certainly, that's not excluded from any conversation we might have, but we really are living in interesting times, and with every turn of the
1: page, it seems it gets even more. Oops, looks like we lost Gary there for a second. Well, you know, the beauty of doing the work that I do is, at any
4: break like this, I can just sit and meditate.
5: (laughs) You know, that just go to... That's your go-to response in these situations. I know doggone well. (laughs) Uh It's nice to have that reserve, isn't it, to to look at this. Uh, I don't know whether people will resort to this en masse, depending on how things develop over the next several months in our country and around the world, yes, generally, but particularly in the United States, because there are many people, I'm talking about the, gen xers gen y gen z the millennials who have not been through they've read about it they've heard about it i'm sure ad infinitum but they have not directly experienced the kinds of things that we saw and lived through back in the late 1960s and early 1970s john you're a baby boomer suzanne is i am mason is not And so I look at younger people, and I wonder what they must think about the welter of issues that we are confronted with here in the year 2020, which everybody was sure would be a year of clarity, like seeing 2020, and I just note the irony.
4: Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's um, incredibly interesting to realize that um, things on this planet seem to move in great cycles. And there has been a downside to us having life as easy as we have had it. You know, most of us, we did see a lot of social and political upheaval in the 1960s and 1970s, but overall, we have had a very easy life. And, um, you know, so the, you're referencing of the younger people who didn't go through the 60s and 70s. You know, we could also look at um, our parents who mostly went through the Second World War. Now, you know, obviously nothing happened directly except for Pearl Harbor. But on the in the continental United States, there was no uh, combat activity really on the you know on our territory. But life was different. You know, people had to support the war effort. Everybody's consciousness was focused on what was happening in the Second World War, and a lot of what came after that—the baby boomers, for one thing—but <laughs> uh, you know the life. In the United States in the 1950s and 60s was an outgrowth of what had happened in the Second World War and prior to that the big influence on the culture had been the Great Depression so um, you know we're all coming through these different cycles and then we get to um, our generation in which I believe that essentially our parents said, we've gone through all the dark stuff, now let's just be prosperous and happy and healthy and uh, see to it that our children don't have to go through the difficulties that we went through. But, you know, I'd just like to say at the outset here that in my own life and the lives of many other people I know, It is really the difficulties in life that stretch us and deepen us and show us where our character lies. And I think that's really important to bear in mind that, you know, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of consternation about what's happened since February with the pandemic. Um, Life has been disrupted and I think, you know, there's been a lot of consternation about uh, high school kids missing their high school graduation ceremony and their proms and, you know, I mean, that's all very upsetting when you are living in a world where you think that those kinds of things are guaranteed. What we're learning is they're not guaranteed. They've never been guaranteed. And you know, we've had a really easy time overall for many, many years. And now it's time for us to dig deep and find out how we navigate storms like this one.
3: John, I'm back in the conversation with you. And thank you for uh, uh, staying on while we were uh, trying to get back on our uh, Skype connection. Um, I I don't know if any of what I said earlier came across or if we were already disconnected then, but I I was saying to you with the pandemic, there's like three things, three instructions to do um, physically. You know, keep your distance and wear a mask and wash your hands. And I was saying to Gary this morning when we were anticipating interviewing with you, I said, I wonder what John would come up with as the three spiritual things you could do. If these are physical things dealing with the pandemic, what would be your advice for spiritual things to do to cope with it on that side of the equation? What, what is comparable to washing your hands and keeping your distance and wearing a mask in the spiritual realm? Oh,
4: what a great question, Suzanne. Wow.
3: You know, I know I didn't give you any time to think about it. I'm not <laughs> bringing it on you here last minute, but I figure you, you know your stuff, so you'll, you'll figure out something.
4: Well, you know, the first thing I would say is to try to... Um, when your mind says this shouldn't be happening, this is wrong. Realize that that is a a thought pattern that is inevitably going to steer you towards suffering. This is what's happening. And uh, the question of whether it's wrong or right, um, or it shouldn't should or shouldn't be happening is not really an issue that's going to help us navigate these waters. This is what's happening. So I would say, uh, first of all, wash your mind every day. <laughs> ah. That would be to do something like uh, meditation or contemplative prayer or making it a point to get out in nature every day and in a, in a, in a state of solitude. When you go out into nature, don't take your cell phone with you. When you go out into nature, just be in nature. Just give yourself an opportunity to tune to the energies of nature and the sights of nature. Now, you know, even that is complicated because before we went on the air, we were talking about the smoke from the California and, well, the West Coast fires, California, Oregon, and Washington, which reached New Jersey earlier this week. And so we were reminded that we're on a very small planet living together, and that if we don't take care of it, we're all going to suffer. That's just obvious. And the people who pretend that isn't the case are just, you know, ostriches putting their heads in the sand. This is the way it is. So, um, you know, I, I heard a kind of desperation in the voices of some of my friends on the West Coast who were so frustrated with with just the physical oppression of dealing with the smoke all the time and the, the fear of the fires reaching them. So we all have to stick together and do whatever you can. If you have the opportunity and it's a nourishing experience, get out in nature, you know, lie on the ground at night and look up at the stars and contemplate the infinite nature of the universe, and at the same time, the actual smallness of this planet in the overall scope of the universe. So meditation, yoga, tai chi, things like that that calm you down and bring you back into this moment. So that uh, you know you recognize that suffering is created by living in some moment other than this one. Whether we're looking toward the past and we're saying, oh God, I wish we could go back to, you know, 2019 wasn't a piece of cake, but it was better than 2020, you know? Or, oh God, I hope we get past November 3rd and then everything will be fine. Not necessarily, you know? So what can we find in this moment that will bring us back to a state of serenity and inner peace. And I don't mean that to be a uh, Pollyanna-ish serenity and inner peace. I mean to say that, that serenity and inner peace are actually places of consciousness within us. They are always within us. Meditation doesn't create something that isn't there. It just allows us to feel what is there and it's always with us we always have that ability no matter what's going on in the external world now it takes practice but we do have that opportunity so i think that i think keeping your distance from things that uh, are divisive and agitating you know yes to keep your, you know, I am, I've always been very much in favor of keeping in touch with the news and what's going on in the world. But there's a point at which for most people, enough is enough. And it's, it's starting to get on top of them emotionally and psychologically. So I would recommend keeping in touch with what's going on in the world to the extent that you can remain mentally healthy and spiritually healthy while you do that. Uh, I don't think running away from the world will do it either, but find balance. So washing your mind every day in some way, uh, keeping your distance from things that agitate you. And um, what's the third one? (laughs) The third one that you said, Suzanne. Suzanne.
3: You know, one of the things I was thinking about, especially when you were talking about um, praying and meditating and being in nature, the solitude is something I completely agree with, completely. It also seems as though, you know, in addition to going inner and then to keeping your distance from the negativity, I think there's something very positive in going outside yourself and connecting with other people as well. And I know we can't do it, you know, necessarily, you know, within six feet, but we're making more phone calls. You know, Gary and I are on the phone with people. We had a, you know, we'll talk for an hour, two hours with friends and family. Mm
5: -hmm. And
3: so we're making connections in that way. And I'm even, you know, finding myself sending some packages and, you know, and uh, some cards to people, letting them know that we're thinking about them. So I think that also helps to know that you're connected and not isolated. Otherwise, you feel like you're the only one that's going through this. And and I, I, I think if you say, I know other people are hurting and going through this, too, and I'll reach out to them, I look at that as another another leg of the stool does that make uh, does that resonate with you
4: oh absolutely i couldn't agree more um you know elizabeth kubler ross who you mentioned was one of my teachers and mother teresa both used to always say that they felt the greatest hell for any human being to experience was to feel that they were alone in the world so this is very difficult, you know, and I realized early on during the pandemic that solitude is uh, it's very natural for me because I've spent so many years doing long meditation retreats. And, you know, I kind of enjoy it, but there are people who are more extroverted for whom this is just pure hell. feeling. alone. Yes, yes. And I mean, it is when, um, you know, and I, uh, Maureen and I live in a condominium, uh, high rise. And one of the things that's happened here is that we're endeavoring to pay more attention to neighbors and be more in, in touch with neighbors. Cause there are a number of elderly people in the building who are alone, you know, and, and maybe within the last few years, their spouse has died. And, um, you know, somebody, one of my dear teachers, <laughs> a man named Alan Cohen, who uh, was a very, uh, he'd been a student of Ramdas and Tim Leary at Harvard and, and became a devotee of Meher Baba. And Alan is a wonderful psychotherapist. And years and years ago, in the early 70s, when I was just starting out on the spiritual journey I once said to him that I was afraid that my life was meaningless. And he said something so profound to me. He said, there's a simple prescription for that. And I said, what? <laughs> he said, whenever you feel your life is meaningless, start doing more things for other people. So yes. your, your prescription, Suzanne, yeah. is so right on because um, it's really quite amazing That um, when we connect with other human beings and we try to do something, even the most simple things, just to a gesture, just a smile, even just a, a wave, just a hello, a quick phone call, anything that helps us to realize we're not alone on this planet. We're not alone in this predicament and that other people care about us and that we can care about other people. You know i like that one of the news anchors uh on one of the networks uh every night since the pandemic began he says at the end of his show take care of yourselves and each other such a profound bit of guidance
2: right and i like that a lot and I, too and I we think, watch abc yeah. evening news with david muir and they always end with the story of people overcoming adversity sometimes Mm -hmm. in quite poignant ways, celebratory ways, really. Mm -hmm. And we do take some strength. Every one of them is a tearjerker, but you do take the lesson that we're all in this together and that we are not powerless. Right, right, yeah.
3: that's The the same uh, advice that you got, I got something similar when I was having myself a party, a big old pity party. And somebody said, when you're feeling sorry for yourself, go do something for someone else. Mm-hmm. And it, it gets you out of that, mm-hmm. you know, out of that frame of mind. And um, and we, too, have been staying in touch and seeing our neighbors here and there. And, um, and, you know, just kind of following up to make sure that everybody is okay, even though we're not getting that close to them.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: It, Gary and I are very fortunate in that the fact that our closest neighbor is a baker and every oh, once in a while there's a knock on the door and there's nobody there
2: but there's a box <laughs> oh. of cookies oh boy <laughs> and her first name is Betty so I go here comes Betty Crocker again <laughs>
4: <laughs> well that kind of thing is so beautiful and you know it's you're reminding me that a number of months ago uh, one one uh, uh friend who works with me quite a bit um very dear friend who was feeling estranged from her neighbors because of the political divide in the country and found that her next door neighbor who she had always loved dearly suddenly they were fighting all the time and arguing and feeling hostile toward one another and she said i don't know what to do because there's no way seemingly to to bridge this divide and I said you know you like to bake why don't you bake some of those delicious cookies you make and take them next door and just give them to them <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's such a you know that kind of gesture um, works so well
2: in so many ways so thanks for sharing that why don't we take a short break and more of John Welshon's, the ramananda himself Good company to keep for Manson Mitchell and your company as well, right here on AM 1150. The preceding audio was via a Skype call. Staying
6: connected with Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell is easy. Just go to mansonmitchell.com for the latest info on topics and guests. Friend Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell on their Facebook pages and like the Manson Mitchell show page at facebook.com slash Mitchell.
1: Here's an amazing act. Here's a tremendous act. Here's a startling act. The amazing, the thrilling, the greatest, spectacular, incredible, exciting, wonderful, world fame, most unusual novelty act.
6: The home of the A-Team of Alternative Talk is ManceAndMitchell.com. Heard right here on Alternative Talk 1150 AM or streaming live
0: from your computer anywhere. Terry Loving wants to help you with your online marketing challenges right now. She has several courses she is giving away to help you get your business working for you online. Yes, giving away. WordPress websites are her specialty, yet her technical skills go way beyond that. Check out her blog at terryloving.com or email her directly at terry at terryloving.com. That's terry at terryloving.com. What's one of your favorite memories? Hmm, let's see... Well,
4: there was this one time I went snorkeling in the Caribbean when I was a kid. It really
5: just blew my mind. I mean, when you're sitting on the beach, it's so peaceful, and you sort of forget there's a whole other world under there just full
4: of all kinds of life. We saw the most beautiful corals. I remember thinking they were waving at us as they moved with the ocean. And then there were all these amazing fish. They kind of reminded me of tropical birds. They were so bright and colorful, just darting all over the place like birds
1: in the sky. I'll never forget it. It completely changed the
0: way I look at the ocean. Most of us have a memory of being in nature we'll never forget. Let's protect the world's natural places so more memories can be made for generations to come. Visit worldwildlife.org.
2: On Friday, Manson Mitchell welcome Ken Elliott with the ABCs of Manifesting 1, 2, 3. And you don't need the three, get what you desire in two steps. On Saturday, Deidre Combs talks
3: about conflict resolution and the people who are making positive change without
2: making a lot of noise. Bringing you mastery and mystery one hour at a time since 2007.
3: We are Manson Mitchell, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on Alternative Talk AM 1150.
5: Get inspired every hour right here on Alternative Talk 1150. The following audio is
2: via a Skype call. Hey, 19. Thank you, Steely Dan. I chose that music today because by the time we are on the air next, Suzanne and I will have celebrated 19 years in each other's life. It's been quite a ride. And I'm sitting here thinking and just marveling, Suzanne, that in this 19 years we've spent together, we're in our 14th year being radio partners. That's true. <laughs> it's true, we've spent most
3: of our time on air together.
2: And when we started dating, neither one of us would have seen that coming.
3: That's that's also true.
2: There's a feeling of destiny around it, I tell you. There is. There is. And we were destined. It's our happy destiny today to welcome Ramananda John Welshans, who has a lot of important things to say, and always, it seems, from a spiritual perspective, He brings the spiritual news that you can use, and man, we could use some good news these days.
3: He also has a couple of very wonderful books that are on our bookshelves. And, John, this is the time in our interview when we want to give you an opportunity to talk about your website, your books, and anything else that is going on, social media um, I know I've gotten your emails, so I know you've been doing some meditation. So please share that with our listeners so that they can get involved with you as well.
4: I'd be delighted. Thank you. Yeah. Well, um, right now I have three books published on the market, all published by New World Library, which was uh, uh, its Eckhart Tolle's publisher, among many others. But um, the three books, the first one was entitled awakening from grief finding the way back to joy and it's really about um how to deal with the inevitable losses and disappointments and unwanted changes that come our way in life and um, that's that book's been on the market about 20 years and and keeps selling quite well and has been very popular Um, the second book was called When Prayers Aren't Answered, Opening the Heart and Quieting the Mind in Challenging Times. That one, uh, I'm hearing from a lot of people, uh, has been extremely helpful in the last year. And uh, so I can highly recommend that one. And then the third was uh, One Soul, One Love, One Heart, The Sacred Path to Healing All Relationships. And um, that one is really about how to deal with the difficulties we encounter in relationships, not just romantic relationships, but all our relationships in life, which include our relationship with our body, our relationship with our community, our relationship with our planet, our government, you know, you name it. So um, in each of those books, I really wanted to explore the the difficult parts of life and how we deal with them directly, openly, and honestly without putting our heads in the sand or running away and how they actually ultimately can help us to find joy, to find joy at a much deeper place and a much more sustainable place than the sort of... Um, intermediate fun that we look for in this culture you know this is mining for really true joy and peacefulness and the website is onesoulonelove.com that's spelled out o-n-e-s-o-u-l-o-n-e-l-o-v-e.com or you can also get there by uh, typing in john j-o-h-n-w-e-l-s-h-o-n-s.com and um there's a way to uh send me an email through the website and if you'd like to be on my mailing list for our newsletter and notification of upcoming uh classes and seminars you can do that um Right now, everything, of course, is on Zoom. (laughs) Right. But, but, you know, I've been finding that format to be astoundingly useful. And, you know, I kind of thought in the beginning when we started doing meditation classes on Zoom that it would be a, a, you know, sort of a cheap imitation of a class in person. And, And actually those classes have been so beautiful And so deep, people are 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 zooming in from all over the country. And uh, it's been just wonderful. So I would invite anybody who would like to be part of that. um, You can also send me an email uh, about that and just say you'd like to be notified about the upcoming classes. We do a regular Wednesday evening class at 7 p.m. Eastern time from 7 to 9 p.m. And, um, you know, we'd love to have you join us. The more, the merrier.
3: You know, John, there is a, a wonderful energy when you have people in the same room. And and so people feed off of each other's, you know, good energy when you have a, a bunch of meditators in one room together. When, when we're uh, fearful about the flus and the COVIDs and all the rest of it, what I have surprisingly found is that I am really liking these connections on the internet because I am home, I am safe, I am relaxed and I don't have to drive anywhere. And I I find that there is not a significant um, diminishment in the energy when I have been on various Zoom calls You get to see other people involved, but mostly there's a great deal of comfort, you know, to have your socks and shoes off and your legs crossed and you're sitting comfortably in your own chair doing your own thing. So I agree with you that um, the Zoom classes are better than I thought they would be. Isn't that
4: interesting? Yeah.
3: Yeah.
4: You know, to me, it's been a true... um, uh experience of what we've been saying for decades now that we are all one and um you know like i sometimes look at that that experience most human beings have where you you know somebody pops into your mind and um you haven't thought of them in months or years even and suddenly the phone rings and they're calling you or you get an email from them or something there's some contact And, you know, I've always used that as an example to say, if we weren't all connected in one web of consciousness, no matter how far apart we are geographically, how would that happen if we weren't all connected? Well, now I'm feeling with our, our meditation classes on Zoom, the same thing, that it feels Exactly like we're all sitting in the same room together and yet, you know, some people on the call are thousands of miles
2: away. So it's fascinating. Zoom itself is a phenomenon. I didn't even hear the word until about a year ago. And Zoom, what's this new thing? What's this newfangled Zoom people are talking about? So there's Zoom, the phenomenon, and also the ways in which it is applied, the uses to which it is put. It's really extraordinary because it speaks to the resourcefulness of people. And with that general statement in mind, John, let me throw this at you. I keep, in the last, I would say the last 48 hours, I've had this growing realization. Will it be borne out? I don't know. Part of me is hoping that, in a way, it doesn't turn out to be the way I anticipate. I'm going to vote for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, no question about that. Don't know whether our side will win or not. But what I am anticipating, John, is that just as we have President Trump saying that we need to get the court back to nine, we have to have the new justice whom he is nominating today— so that we can have a full court, it will be necessary in case the election itself goes to the Supreme Court. And he says it in a way that seems like he is foreordaining that outcome. So I just say, okay, let me extrapolate from that. Let's say that the election is a big muddle and there are people in this country starting at the top who are attempting that very thing. And if it is, a very uncertain thing, and it needs to be adjudicated, let's say that Donald Trump does not prevail, that Joe Biden is elected as the 46th president of the United States. Here's what I think would happen as a result of that. I believe that, first of all, the Republican muckety-mucks would get together, as they did on inauguration evening, 2009, after Barack Obama had been elected, and they will decide that they are going to have a purely obstructionist philosophy and strategy in dealing with this new presidency. Obstruction will be their middle name. And with that being the case, I think the way that would play out is that any legislation. I'm going to throw this in. I'm going to say that the Senate flips to the Democrats, and they will be the majority. Okay? So now they control both houses, and they've got a Democrat president. We'll be all right. For us progressives, that sounds great. Here's the thing. As part of an obstructionist philosophy and strategy, the Republicans could decide that Any legislation that goes through in the nuclear option—that button gets pushed a lot nowadays—when that happens, any legislation coming from a Democrat-controlled Congress and Senate, signed into law by President Biden in that case, will be automatically funneled to the judiciary for judicial review, so that they can obstruct everything imaginable that is legislatively significant or maybe even relatively insignificant in the grand scheme of things, everything will be subject to judicial review with the idea that if you can just get it to the Supreme Court, then the conservative majority will dispense with the work of Congress representing the wishes of the American people. Uh-huh. Question? No, there's no question. That's a comment. That's, that's what I'm saying. That's how I see it go. That's that's how I envision things going. And do I hope I'm wrong? Not as far as Biden becoming president. No, I, I certainly hope that happens. There it would be lovely to see the Senate flip blue there, but you may turn blue waiting for legislation to become law and then become enacted without all the obstruction that comes with judicial review, starting with the uh, increasingly ideological cast of the federal court system long before it makes its way to the Supreme Court. That seems to be in vogue, and I think that that's going to be set in high relief if Donald Trump does not win this election and if Mitch McConnell loses his majority. So, all right, why are you bringing that up, Gary? Here's why. All the things that you have said heretofore, John, has to do with being present for what's going on. Understanding that reality is, as far as we can measure it, whatever the metric, it is what it is. And we have to deal with the reality on the ground instead of living through wishful thinking or trying to blissfully extricate ourselves from a situation that calls upon us in some way to act. Now, how does that ring your Ramananda bell? <laughs>
4: well, that's, uh, we only have a few more minutes, Gary. I mean, this is a big discussion. But um, I guess what I would say is that um, the thing that comes to my mind is you never know. You never know. And um, I'll get to the reason that I'm saying that in a moment. But I would say this, I would say everything that you have um, uh, articulated is certainly possible. And um, my sense is that it's always good to be as aware as possible of all the things that possibly could happen to the extent you can. But, you know, it's very interesting. One time I remember hearing a great spiritual teacher say the following. He said, karma at one level is going to force us all to experience those things we could never imagine. I thought, geez, that's, you know, so right away, I I heard this way back in the 1970s, and I thought, geez, I better start imagining all the most terrible things I can imagine, just so I get them out of the way. (laughs) And, you know, the truth is, most of them never happened. The stuff that has happened is stuff we didn't imagine, really. And, you know, we could berate ourselves and say, well, if I was more on my toes, I would have been paying better attention and would have known that it would have gone this way. I think that one of the problems that we have in this country is we have so many people who have, because we've had such an easy lifestyle, have just buried their heads in the sand of entertainment and distraction. And there are very obviously people manipulating our government who have used that As a technique to just keep this this country completely oblivious to the fact that there are those who are trying to steal it out from under us (laughs) you know that's just the way it is now part of doing that is um, to keep people um, distracted and to keep those who would oppose those who are trying to steal the country out from under us to keep the opposition to them completely divided and confused. So, you know, it's like someone said recently, not recently, but I heard it again recently that part of our problem is that those of us who are, you know, would, very likely define ourselves as liberal as we if we would have to, as opposed to conservative. You know, there's an interesting thing about liberals that, um, or let's start with the conservative side, there's generally, on the conservative side, an absolute assurance that they're right. <laughs> Absolutely, we're correct, and the other side is wrong. And there's no doubt about that. Whereas on the liberal side, there are all the, you know, because we're inclusive, there are a whole lot of different opinions and degrees of liberalism, you know, whether it's just, I'm, I'm a liberal conservative, or I'm a total progressive, or I'm a socialist, or, you know, whatever it is, who are all sort of lumped into the same category, but... I think that the more sinister elements in the country are trying to use that in order to keep everybody divided and arguing. So we have people on the the so-called liberal side arguing about whether or not to use a mask. You know, I mean, it's just, when I think of it, I say, you know, it would have been so easy if if Donald Trump really wanted to be presidential and to unite this country. It would have been so easy to just stand up at the beginning of the pandemic and say, you know, folks, this is serious business. This is a very serious illness and it's very contagious. And we're really gonna have to focus and, and stick together. You're gonna have to wear a mask. You're gonna have to be, keep a distance from one another for a while. The way that we'll get this under control is if we're all on the same page and we're working together. No, he didn't do that. So obviously, he wanted to use it as a way to divide people and to create agitation and uh, and divisiveness in the country, which is what he does with most everything. So um, you know, to come back to your statement and question. Um, I think that it's good to recognize all of the dimensions of what could be possible here and at the same moment to try and hold on to the idea that we never know. You know, um, I'm just trying to tell this story quickly. It's an old story that Ramdas used to like to tell. It's about a farmer who had a beautiful horse and his neighbor used to like to come visit the horse. One day, the neighbor comes to see the horse. It's not there. He says to the farmer, what happened to your horse? The farmer said, oh, it ran away. And his neighbor said, oh, that's terrible. And the farmer said, you never know. Next day, the horse comes back and it's got with it this beautiful filly, beautiful female horse. So now he's got a beautiful male horse and a beautiful female horse, a lovely couple. The neighbor comes and says, where did this second horse come from? And the farmer said, well, when my horse ran away, he came back home and and this horse came with it, with him. His neighbor said, oh, that's wonderful. The neighbor says, you never know. Farmer says, you never know. The next day, the uh, neighbor sees that the son of the farmer is on crutches and in a cast. And the farmer, the neighbor comes next door and he says to the farmer, what happened to your son? He said, oh, well, he was riding the new horse and the horse threw him and he broke his leg. And the neighbor says, that's terrible. And the farmer says, you never know. Next day, the army comes through and they're conscripting all the young men to be drafted into the army. They don't take the farmer's son because he's got a broken leg and the neighbor comes along and says to the farmer you know i saw the army come through but they didn't take your son and the farmer says that's right he had a broken leg they wouldn't take him and the neighbor says that's wonderful and the farmer says you never know (laughs) now it goes on and on you know so sometimes something that looks terrible can turn out to be not so bad And sometimes something that looks wonderful can turn out to be not so great. You never know. So while we're tuning to all of the potential nightmare scenarios that could arise and being as aware as we can of the possibility of those happening, then I would say be careful not to make them happen by being turning them into a self-fulfilling prophecy because you think that's what's going to happen, because the truth is, you never know.
2: I like that openness. There's an implied openness to life and to being willing to not have all the answers, whether we are troubling ourselves or comforting ourselves with them. It's almost like writing our own prescriptions in a way. And I really like that example, John. It fits the circumstances probably anytime, anywhere, but especially today when we're living with such great uncertainty and fighting, continuing to fight an unseen enemy. It's one thing to go vote. It's one thing to get your mail-in ballot, however you're going to do that. It's something else to keep yourself safe when you can't see the danger all around you. Right, right, absolutely. So, um,
4: you know, I would suggest a balanced approach in which you realize that there are dangers and there are also potential blessings everywhere. And uh, life is gonna involve both. And you do what you can to keep yourself clear, to keep your heart open, to keep sending love into the universe And also to be very aware that there are people who are not so loving and who have sinister motives. And that's just
2: the way that is on this planet. Uh, Thank you, John. Well, we have just enough time for you to mention once again your Zoom class to which everyone is invited. Please say a bit more about that. People will want to attend. Sure. Um,
4: and if you want to, um, you can go directly to the organization that sponsors that, which is www.vanvleck.org It's a V as in Victor, A-N, V as in Victor, L-E-C-K.org. And it's a wonderful center here in Montclair, New Jersey, that... Uh, Sponsors wonderful educational programs. And you just look on their website for meditation. You'll see my class on Wednesday nights at
2: uh, 7 p.m. Eastern time. That's beautiful. Yeah. Well, thank you, John.
3: Thank you, John. Once
2: again, always great to visit with you. I look forward to doing it again. Give our love to your lovely Maureen. And we will see how all this turns out. And then we'll say, you never know. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Have a great weekend, John. (laughs) Lots of love to you both. And to you as well. Coming up next. Jupiter rising. Eileen Grimes. Take it away. Fantastic. Have yourselves a great and safe weekend, everyone.
0: The preceding audio was via a Skype call.
2: Staying
6: connected with Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell is easy. Just go to mansandmitchell.com for the latest info on topics and guests.
0: She has several courses she is giving away to help you get your business working for you online. Yes, giving away. WordPress websites are her specialty, yet her technical skills go way beyond that. Check out her blog at terryloving.com or email her directly at terry at That's terry@terryloving.com.
6: at No matter who we are, or where we come from, we all experience difficulties in life.
0: Military
5: veterans know that sometimes it takes strength and determination to make it
0: through.
1: Whether it's obvious physical challenges or struggles on the inside, it takes strength to ask for help when you need it.
6: I knew that I had to get support, not just for me, but for the sake of my wife and kids.
5: Talking about it has helped me feel more like myself again.
1: Honestly, it was hard to open up at first, but it's changed my life for the better.
6: Learn how veterans like us have reached out for help and hear stories of strength and recovery at maketheconnection.net.
2: On Friday, Manson Mitchell welcomed Ken Elliott with the ABCs of Manifesting One, Two, Three, and you don't need the three. Get what you desire in two steps. On Saturday, Deidre Combs
5: talks
3: about conflict resolution and the people who are making positive change
2: without making a lot of noise. Bringing you mastery and mystery one hour at a time since 2007.
3: We are Manson Mitchell, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on Alternative Talk, AM 1150.